The following programming may contain viewpoints and opinions that do not necessarily reflect those of Listen Up Talk Radio. Welcome to realestatetorontoradio.com, the weekly show about buying and selling real estate in the greater Toronto area and sometimes beyond with Aura Ross of the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Group. 30 minutes of hot topics and indispensable advice from experienced professionals that work for you. Welcome back to Real Estate Toronto Radio. I'm Todd Miller, sitting across from me, Aura Ross. We're and, here every week. And really sitting across Really from sitting me. across, yes. Love that. Love yeah. that. Uh, and we talk real estate every week, specifically Toronto real estate, but that doesn't prevent us from touching on... No, not at all. And, and, and this is really uh, what I want to bring up today is the Toronto Real Estate Board just uh, completed their annual market review and market outlook report for 2017. And I was actually invited to the presentation uh, last week and uh, some amazing takeaways that that I felt were just really pieces of information that could help both buyers and sellers as they plan, as they make their plans. And actually their report um, includes the Golden Horseshoe. So they talk about Toronto and the GTA, but let's face it, I mean, our buyers now are moving farther and farther away. We talk about affordability, so we're going to talk about that distance from the city if they need to come into the city or come to work. We talk about the distance and what what truly makes housing affordable and what's making it maybe not so affordable for many people. So um, I thought the, the presentation was exceptional. And uh, so we're going to try to share everything with our listeners. And we've got the full report on our website at realestatetoronto.com slash market dash update. And then there's another dash there. But if you really like reading details and stats, 45 pages, 40. 46 pages, it's, it's in there. It's really great. Well, the weekend is coming up. So if, there you if go. there's nothing happening and no uh, open houses well, you want to go to, read it. Yeah. And if read you know it. you're sitting home alone on a Saturday night with nothing to do, what's better than to read a 46 page report? <laughs> We're going to take a short break and we are going to talk and touch briefly on that report right after the break. More Real Estate Toronto Radio. Buying or selling a home? condo or investment property might be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. So it's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals like the Mulholland Ross team. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Keller Williams Referred Real Estate Team at 416-230-8500 or visit realestatetorontoradio.com. Whether you're making your first move or your 21st, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 30 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Tune in Sundays at 4 p.m. on Listen Up Talk Radio or Tuesdays and Fridays on Voices Radio, CKAV, to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Welcome back to Real Estate Toronto Radio. And uh, an interesting topic this week. We sort of, uh, uh, you said you really enjoyed the presentation. I really did because I think for a lot of us, we talk about 
um, things that appear to be obvious. You know, this conversation about the market going up and it's crazy and, and why are the prices so high? We hear the word bubble. Um, when we start digging into to these reports, we actually see a trend, we see a pattern, and, and suddenly things start to make sense. So I'm going to recap a couple of numbers. Um, 2016, we had 113,000 transactions on Toronto's MLS system. And I, I should say the GTA on the Toronto Real Estate Board's MLS system. And that's, that's, that's not a record, is it? It is a record. It is up 11.8% over 2015, which was the previous record. So sales are up. And um, one of the interesting things that came out of this for me, they did a, Ipsos uh, did a survey, the Toronto Real Estate Board hired them to do a survey in November of 2016 and found that 51% on average of those buyers are first time buyers. That's amazing. Is that amazing? So how many times do we talk about, Todd, affordability and how to get our first-time buyers in the market? And what we actually see is in the 416 area code, they make up for 60% of the purchases. And in the GTA uh, outside 416, they're making up 43% of the buyers. So not just people buying resale. They're... they're it's their first home, whatever That's that right. is. That's right. And, you know, on that first-time buyer thing... Uh, the question becomes, where's the down payment coming from, mm -hmm. right? So we found, or the, the survey the survey says, 34% um, came from savings, okay? 24% came, the, now we're, these are all home types, all home buyers. 24% yep. came from current homes equity. So this isn't your first time buyer, right? Okay. 13% of that, those paying down payments came from family gifts. So we're seeing that 13% is a little high. If we go back 10 years, we're looking at a, about 6%. It's funny. I thought that would have been more. Me too. I would have thought that the family money would have been greater than the savings. Yeah. Unless some people just aren't, you know, acknowledging where their money's coming from. Oh, that's true. 12% um, came from savings within RSP. So when we talk about savings, the total really is more like... Uh, 46%, but they broke it down. 34% savings, 12% came from RSPs, and then we have a 17% saying other, and that I don't know what that is. I've got to call into my guy. I'm like, what's other? Is that like, uh, you know... Laundering some money, <laughs> yeah. perhaps. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I found that to be interesting. Another, you know, another conversation and I'm sure you've heard it I'm sure the average guy out there not that any of our listeners are average, average no, no of course not um, but when you're out there the conversation real estate we hear a lot of talk about foreign money and we're all aware of what Vancouver City did yeah. with that 15% foreign buyer tax and um, the Toronto Real Estate Board actually did a pretty exhaustive survey on this and they found that 4.9% of the transactions uh, were where realtors acted as a buyer's agent for a foreign buyer. So under 5%. That strikes me as an average person to be quite small. I would have um, thought it would have been a lot higher. It feels bigger. Now, when we're talking foreign buyer, we are talking about that buyer that is not a Canadian citizen. A resident. Or a resident. Right. Yeah. So, and they are buying for, and I don't have the stats here, but again, the report yep. will have it. Um, they're buying for personal use as their own personal home because maybe they're an application to become citizens or make sense to buy something and be ready to move in that, exactly 100% um, or they're buying for a family who's already here 
And then the smallest group of those people were buying as just investments. Investments. So, uh, so I, I mean, I guess just to put some perspective on it, and you may not know this, but what prompted Vancouver? What percentage of their market is foreign buyers that would have made them go, oh, wait okay. a second, we got a problem here? That's a great question. I don't have their actual stats. My understanding was it was over 15%. Okay, so that's significant. Yeah, so I, yeah, and, and I would double check that one for us. And, and if any of our listeners out there have the number, you know, send Fire it in because yeah. we'd love to hear, to hear it. Um, the other question asked to these same agents that, that responded to the survey. So just, you know, when the Toronto Real Estate Board puts out a survey to us agents, we all get it. We all get it. Um, so um, when you look at the report, they actually tell you exactly how they conducted the survey in every one of these stats. So mm-hmm. it's a pretty, pretty amazing report. Um, when they asked the same agents who acted on behalf of a foreign buyer, um, how many inquiries were they getting from people who had thought they were going to purchase out west, out in BC, out in Vancouver, and who had maybe inquired to Toronto to say, I'm changing my mind because of the tax. And the amount was so small, all I've got in my notes is minimal, minimal inquiries from BC buyers to come to Toronto. So we know that tax had some effect on the market. It's cooled it down a little bit. Yep. But there weren't many that looked at that and then came back here. So there, it wasn't a not yet. It didn't dissuade anyone from purchasing. Not it, it, that we know they, of. But that we know is minimal. And yeah. so the question is: is you know, will this year? This year might show a different result from that because okay. you know that was just last year. That was just what. Six so what ago would we see? We would see that four point nine increase a bit, or we would say more people if they we do could. another survey saying, "Yeah, I was going to, but that's right. Okay. We'll see." Or I sold out there and and took the funds here because really Vancouver is still much higher price than Toronto. So with all this, oh my gosh, their market's going down. They're still higher than us. Their price point still. So higher. take their equity and come to Ontario. Yeah. yeah. So we'll hey, see. This we year will be an interesting dollars. year. So here was the thing. We talk about what's causing our prices to go up. What is it? And what the most powerful message we got um, at the presentation was you cannot talk about housing affordability without talking about supply. Right. So we have got the lowest supply of homes available than we have seen in over 15 years. Now, new home sites, I mean, the, the, the presentation I saw, look at, I can tell you we had builders and and represent representatives of the new home association on that stage and what they're looking for is a faster way to get their homes to market some of them are sitting on land they're going through red tape they need to get homes to market right in 2008 the toronto real estate board peaked with 22,000 homes available on mls now i i must tell you all my dates on this conversation they are comparing december december to december so we're always looking at the same month of the year so in 2008, we peaked at tw- just over 22,000 available homes on MLS. Well, what happened in December of 2008? That was the year we felt that, you know, 10 to, I'm going to say 20% in some areas, we felt that pull down in prices. Mm. Now, some of you, if you weren't out there buying or selling and you're not a realtor, you may not have even noticed it. You it may was, have missed it. You may have missed it. It was in the news. Um, but it, we came out of it so quickly that it almost, just when people started acknowledging what was going on, it was too late. We were climbing out of it. Yeah. So 
In 2009 to 2014, in December's, our listings hovered around 11 to 13,000 available homes on MLS. Okay. And we saw that normal climb in the market, that 3 to 5% climb in the market. 2015 was the first year we felt that double digit increase, and our listings dropped to under 10,000. Wow. And in just this last December, last month, um, our listings hovered below 5,000. That is, so 5,000 available properties. Yeah. Now keep in mind, now I don't have all these numbers written down. The conversation was so fast and, and actually I had to stop and listen. I was taking notes so fast and I had to stop and listen. But again, it's in this amazing report that's on our website. Um, you know, with 100,000 people coming into an Ontario every year, and it has and it will continue. Yeah. And 30,000 of them come to the Toronto area. Okay. So the question is, is how many homes and places of living is Toronto creating every year to house these people? And I'm telling you, the math doesn't add up. No. That's what it is. So we've got this constant demand. In fact, the study went even farther to say that for for us to maintain a balanced market and stop being such a seller's market and actually turn into what we call a balanced market, right. which I've only seen a couple of times in my career, and they don't last long. Have you seen a unicorn as well? Yeah, yeah only a couple of times. We need 55,000 more listings on MLS at any given time. 55,000. To actually create what they call a balanced market. So, so from five to 55. Yeah. So when we talk about um, what makes a buyer's market, what makes a seller's market, there is a term out there, we call it the absorption rate. The idea being right now, if we have 5,000 homes available on MLS, um, based on the the past activity of how many homes sell every month, we and, and assuming no more listings come on the market, what we've got is all we've got. How long will it take to sell them out based on the exact same pattern we've seen? And right now it would take about 31 days mm. to sell everything on the inventory. So I think right now we're in uh, February. We're probably sitting, I don't even know this month's numbers, but we're over five. That was December. So we're climbing over five. So it would take 31 days to sell everything. So that's the absorption rate is one month. Now to create a balanced market, they say we need to be between four to six months supply of inventory on the market at any given time to actually create that balance where, mm -hmm. the, where the number of buyers balances with the number of sellers and neither party is under undue pressure. Right. Right. So of course this, this changes slightly from region to region. Right, so the, when we, we're talking in very generalities across the GTA and and the Golden Horseshoe area, actually, so I, I thought this was very eye-opening. We've been blaming a lot of things on this market. We've been blaming all this foreign money coming in, yep. um, low interest rates, which of course help, right? Yeah. Um, affordable money, all this stuff. But really, what it comes down to is a lack of supply for the people that need to buy homes. So when a great listing comes on MLS and you've been waiting for it for two months and you're the family and you want that school district, you just gotta know there's probably three to five other families waiting for that same property. And in some cases, there's 20 families waiting for what's coming on the market. And that's what causes those bidding wars and multiple offers. Hallelujah. Yeah. There you go. So. 
it's um so when they say you know we've got to stop this and stop that and agents are pushing the market up and you know i i just i just have to look at the facts and the facts are the facts and this report just spells it out so nicely so here's you know well why is the supply so low well todd i wanted to ask that but okay well go ahead ask why is the supply so low aura <laughs> well todd um What's also happened is people living in their homes that would like to make the move up or would like a little more space or would like that newer home, they're finding that the cost of moving within their same neighborhood and often, you know, families want the same school district or the same neighbors, the cost to move in their same neighborhood is just too high. So they're opting to renovate instead. Double land transfer tax, moving expenses, lawyer fees. The whole thing. Yeah. And and I would say the biggest, uh, you know, again, more surveys were done. The biggest reason people would opt to renovate, we've got cost on one side and the other side is um, I want to stay in my neighborhood. So it's that cost of staying in the neighborhood. The idea of moving to a less expensive neighborhood, I mean, I could tell you our last year, um, just about everyone we sold for moved to a less expensive neighborhood. Hmm. You know, their idea was I'm going to put a little money aside for yeah. a rainy day. Um, so the renovation. So here was another interesting piece. Do we have time for it? We, have, we have a minute left. Yeah. Okay. Here's the other interesting piece. When you have a little two-bedroom bungalow and you decide I'm going to put that second floor on and, and renovate it. And I've turned my little 900-square-foot bungalow into an 1,800-square-foot two-story four-bedroom home. Not only... Have you taken your little bungalow off the market? It is not available. Yeah. But it will never become available because it will never be a little two-bedroom bungalow. Yes. You've actually removed stock from One type the market. of stock. That's right. And and not just for today, but forever. Because it, unless you decide, hey, I'm going to take that second floor off. Chop I want my off. bungalow again. Um, you've now removed that as an option forever. That was another interesting piece because the question is always, what will people buy in the future? How can people enter in the future? And again, that might not be an affordable affordability question. That might be an availability question. How many little two-bedroom bungalows are even going to be available for our first-time buyers if we keep tearing them down and building new or adding up? Right, or adding, you know, a back part on or a sunroom yeah. or whatever else we're just removing first-time buyer options completely and that was that was another interesting point so two things in closing uh one an observation and one a stat that is burned into my brain um the observation is and we talked about it but i want to just clarify if there's no new building going on the only potential inventory is what people are currently living in. And if they're not moving, there's no inventory or right. there's lower inventory. That's right. Okay. And and look at in the new building going on in the city of Toronto, it's high rise. We know that. High rise townhouse or stacked. Yeah. But but it's usually one house coming down for one house to go up. Right. Sometimes we see one house go down, two houses go up, but it's not it's not widespread like right. that. Okay. So really our new home development is out of the city of Toronto. So that talks about and what we'll segue right into after the commercial. And the, the last stat is yeah. of those uh, 5,000 homes that are currently inventory, 5,500, there are 44,000 listed agents. Are there not in the city of Toronto? 49,000. 49,000. Yeah. So that's a lot of agents and not much inventory. That's right. And if you think about, you know, I wouldn't say all of them, but a good portion of those agents probably have a buyer looking for a home right now. Busy, busy, busy. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Real Estate Toronto Radio.
Welcome back to Real Estate Toronto Radio, and we're discussing the Toronto market. Everybody, the... everybody loves to talk about Toronto's real estate market, don't they? You know, when I go to dinner parties, and I do oh, those yeah. quite often. Yeah. Oh, good for uh, you. <laughs> the topic usually is politics, oh, real great. estate, uh-huh. and, and maybe a few others thrown in there for good yeah, measure. Sure. But you always get around to real estate. Well, sure, because somebody's either always planning to buy, planning to sell, planning to renovate, in a renovation, or just completed any of the above, and that becomes a conversation. How did the move go? Everyone wants to yeah, know what the new house is like. Absolutely. And, yeah. How are the crazy new neighbors you oh, know oh yeah that's us um but here's another piece so then we talk about real estate and all this stuff so how does this affect our economy you know there's been a lot of talk about are we going to get that additional tax or you know uh, right now the government is um talking about increasing our ontario land transfer tax or sorry the toronto land transfer right. tax there's all sorts of things that might happen that might actually lower the amount of homes that get sold um, so there's a lot of pressure on that. What's really interesting is the spin-off from somebody buying or selling is huge. They, they um, figure on average, the average person who buys a home spends $55,000. Now that's on average. So that means of course we know people are going in and renovating and we know some people aren't doing much. Average sale, $55,000. Last year that accounted for over $6 billion in spin-off Revenue. So that is uh, impacting the community in a variety of ways. Absolutely. Renovators, decorators, stagers. Huge, huge amounts. I mean, um, even just going into your Home Depot and buying your new blinds, you're, you're changing a countertop, you're ordering some new floors to go in. I mean, if you think about it, furniture. We buy a place, we want a new couch. Um, so that's that's huge. That is. So... You know, as a as a province, we want to make sure that our market keeps moving because there's just so many other jobs involved. So that I found that to be really incredible. So we were segueing into um, more f- affordable homes being out of the area. Right. And again, um, I'm going to be very careful on my specific numbers because it is in the report at realestatetoronto.com/market-report add another dash there and we've actually shared with you the Toronto Real Estate Board you'll be able to download it it's like 46 pages or something one of the uh, questions is creating affordable housing out of area right and we know that a lot of young people are looking in the GTA and so on so the study became about transportation and um, I would advise anyone who's buying or selling to, to give us a call because we have a good insight as to what Metrolinx is planning. And I would also say if you're investing, watch that Metrolinx mm. site because they are the ones determining transportation. And a few things that came out of this meeting was they said in areas where transportation is not so great right now, when transportation gets improved, they're going to feel approximately a 12% lift in home values. Whereas homes that already have great transportation are going to go up at a slower rate. A slower rate. It doesn't mean they're not worth more today. So, so the infrastructure is already there. If the infrastructure is already there, you're there. If it isn't there and they're planning it, they're going to feel a greater lift in and, prices. And I can speak to that really quickly. I know in my community, yeah. there's a, the, the, I don't know if it's the CP line that they use or CN line for the Metrolinx. Yeah. But there's the Stouffville line. Yes. They're talking about putting a station in just north of us. They are. There's they are. nothing there. I know. But it's mixed reaction because some of the neighbors are like, oh my goodness, if I go to the Jays game, I drive a kilometer, park my car, I'm down awesome. at Union Station. And the others go, oh, think of the traffic, think of 
but it's already there. It's already train yeah. traffic. And you need it. You need it. And get get some of those cars off the road. Right? Yeah. Let's get people. True. So, so this was the other piece, you know. Um, how affordable is it to live out of area? Now, if you have a car, you do have to think in terms of the additional wear and tear on your car, your gas, your insurance. I'm going to put your time in because your time's got to have a value on it. Um, your health, if you're sitting oh, in a car an hour and a half each way. The stress. The stress. But here's what they also found. When you move out of town and you don't have a car, you only have access to 5% of the job market. So when we talk about affordability as a whole, could that actually limit the income you could earn based on you don't have a car and you live out of town? How are you going to get to all the jobs that that may not be uh, right there by your house or, or with a carpool accessible? Yeah, because I love Durham region, but their, their uh, transit system is not as robust as what we'd find in the city. And people complain about it here. Yes. But out there, you get a bus every hour. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine trying to get to any regular employment and using strictly public transit. Okay, so that was the other piece was they said, you know, just because you live close to transit, like a GO station, it may not be accessible. And what they meant by that was... You might live by that GO station, but that GO train leaves at 5 o'clock every day or that leaves at you know 8.45 in the morning, whatever that time is, yep. and you miss that train. So you know people who live by the clock of that train actually have to plan their whole world around that. And um, if weather knocks you out, which, hey, you know, weather can knock the driver out too, I get yep. that. But if should anything happen and you miss that train, you really have to either spend the night where you are, which now you've got hotel costs and so on, maybe calling your daycare back at home to say, I'm yep. not coming home, oh my gosh, um, I'm stuck. Or, or you are, or you're taking those, you know, two hundred dollar cab rides home because you just have to get your child oh, yeah. from daycare, right? Mm-hmm. And you've missed your train, so again in the report more details. But I found that to be very interesting. And I know when we talk to our clients who are looking to move out of area, we ask a lot of these questions. They just are natural to us to think through every what if on their behalf, so that they can be very clear on what life might look like living out of the city if they still have to come into the city. It's funny because I know in my limited experience, people tend to downplay the emotional, physical, physiological toll it takes. They're looking at dollars and cents. I'm going to move out here and I'm going to buy a bigger house and I'm going to make money here and that's the end of it. And then once they start hitting that road every morning at 6.15 or waiting for a go train, they go, oh my God. Or suddenly realizing they're not getting to their kids till seven, right? Because it's missing the family dinners. Yeah. So there is. Yeah, you're right. It, there's so much more, and and the actual mortgage amount payment is such a isn't isn't the the one and only cost to take into consideration. So I think that's the big thing. Now, if you've got alternative hours, if you've got a car, if you are semi-retired, any of those things work for yourself. Whatever. Obviously you have way more options. But for the guy who has to come in three to, you know, I'd say four to six times a week, um, these are just things you want to take into consideration. And I and, and what I loved about listening to all the speakers this week was that this is top of their list. It is about making transportation accessible to as many people as possible. So yes, actually, um, there was a list. They they flashed up a list, and I'm not sure if it's actually in the report. I have to go through it again. Um, and it talked about some of the areas that are going to see the, 
the biggest changes to accessibility due to transportation going in. And can you guess what was on the top of the list? In terms of an area? Yeah. Oh, there's so many. I know, I know. Um, no idea. I don't even want to guess. So Barry made it to the well, top of the list. Gonna say. You were going to say Barry. Um, and now, no particular order. Some of the places I acknowledged was Barry, King City, Newmarket, Oshawa, and Guelph. We're, we're in that top. There were a few others too, but those were the, the, the slide was really far from me. I could barely see. I had to kind of like... When we talk about where are you going to invest and people go, well, I don't want to buy something in Barry or Oshawa, like, you know, I want to buy something in Toronto. Well, when we talk about an investment, if you don't need to live in the home, and because again, if, if you need to live in the home, that opens up a whole whack of other questions about your lifestyle and family mm-hmm. and everything. But if you're talking strictly investment, um, for me, it was like a big light shone down from the heavens and said, or if you're investing, here's where you might want to consider. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to share that with anybody who's talking about investing um, because it's not just these areas. It's where in those little area cities would would it be really wise? And, and, you know, it isn't just about appreciation of land, but when you're talking investment is where is a good spot where you'll get great tenants because your tenants need transportation. So you could open that up to more uh, options on tenants um, and easier to rent out if we know there's some transportation in place. Having a parking spot for your um, investment property is great. Yeah. Having a bus stop down the street, to me, is probably even more important. I, I agree. I think so. I think so. So, um, yeah, that was great. So um, I'm going to just climb up on this soapbox again um, for a minute. because it's a moment with Aura. I, got, a mo- I can't remember what we called it, but Aura's soapbox or a moment with Aura. Yeah, we'll have to create a URL yeah. at my own webpage, YouTube channel, um, which we do have YouTube channel. We are youtube.com uh, slash we think real estate, actually, for any of our videos. So we talk about the supply demand, supply demand. We are desperate for listings. Let's face it, if you own a home, I am sure you've gotten a call or a knock on the door in the last 60 days from a realtor saying, do you want to sell your house? And the reason why we're out in droves is because we do have buyers looking and we cannot sit and just wait for MLS to present itself. We are being proactive. I, I wouldn't take that away from anyone. I don't think it's a wrong practice. My concern for you homeowners, please, the guy knocking at your door with an offer, who do you think they're representing? We've talked about this loss. It's drilled into my brain. Todd, I'm quizzing you. They're, who the are they potential representing? potential buyer. That's right. Yeah. So this week on two occasions, I watched um, three, actually, sorry, three. I watched on two occasions, I watched uh, sellers take bully offers. That means they put it on the market and they said, we're going to look at offers next week. But that night an offer showed up and they felt it was good enough to take. So one of the properties I'll tell you, it's a little area in the city of Toronto, East End, and they listed it at $599. And on day one or two of MLS, they took an offer of $664. Now, I have sellers in that area. Seems good. And we were a little freaked out because six sixty was last year's prices. We were looking at those prices last last, last August. See, I wouldn't know that, but I thought oh, that's a good increase. It's a good increase, right? It was like a hundred and ten percent of asking, right? However, just a few doors down on the same street, identical lot size, same condition home. In fact, maybe not even as nice. 
The guy didn't take a bully. He kept it out there for his nine to 10 days. He took the offer on offer date and sold for $771,000. Oh, I'd wait around for that. Now, I don't, if I was the agent on the first one, I'd honestly would have been sick to my stomach. I, I don't even know what I'd say. We're, we're talking a matter of two days apart, these sales, and maybe eight doors down. They both backed onto the exact same thing. Both homes were in original condition, so we know it was sort of the 40 by 130 foot land value. Over $100,000 difference. That's significant. And what I'm trying to show you is, if you have one agent at your door with an offer, I can assure you there's 10 more behind them with buyers. So how do you know you're sitting with the agent with the best buyer? And my only way of knowing I've got the best agent with the best buyer bringing listings to my sellers is to expose it on the MLS system. As you said, 5,500 properties, 5,900, 44,000, 49,000 agents. It stands to me that it is in your best interest to do to that. To go to market. And not take the first offer. So here in North York, we had um, an agent put something on his Facebook page yep. saying coming soon. Nice. Nobody liked it. Nobody saw it. And two days later, he's boasting about getting 111% of the asking price. The sign went up the day he sold it, and it said exclusive sold. (laughs) So when we talk about absolutely zero exposure, and I could tell you again, it was a 60-foot lot. It sold for just a little bit over what a 40-foot lot sold for last fall. Hmm. Our buyers are freaking out. I don't know why this agent's bragging about it, because I think pretty quickly he's going to realize that might not have been the wisest thing for his seller to do. I get all clumped on this. Um, there are so many people looking for real estate right now to not expose it. I'm just telling you, you're leaving money on the table. Drives me nuts. Homes are selling for great prices. You might say, oh yeah, but one eight, one nine, what's the difference? Ah, you know, we're, the numbers are so high anyway. So then I pose the question, how long does it take you to save a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars after taxes and put that in your bank? Yeah. And if, And if it's anything less than uh, more than a week, then why wouldn't you take that week and expose it to the market to get that money? You couldn't make that money in a week. Yeah, if I said maybe illegally. If I said to you, Todd, listen, if you do me a favor, if you, you know, let me walk into your house every day for a week with strangers, I'm going to put two hundred grand in your pocket, or I'm going to put a hundred grand in your pocket, or hey, Todd, why don't you and your family move to the hotel for a week? Give me a week. Go stay at a hotel. I want to pay a hundred grand to stay at a hotel. Because let's start putting these numbers into into perspective. Um, It just breaks my heart. So while we're in the hottest market with the lowest inventory and the the largest demand for real estate, I beg you, expose your home on real estate, on MLS. And if you're confused, if you have questions, if you're not sure, just call us. There's no obligation. There's no cost. And And I think you you have... You have many responsibilities when you when you list someone's house, but the two big ones for me are selling it in the quickest amount of time and getting the most amount of money. And I sort of see those as a scale. They they could be balanced unless one you get a lot of money and it takes a lot longer to sell. But that's your job is to sort of guide the client through that that right. seesaw. Because I I'm supposed to represent their their highest and best interests. Right. And so. Um, you can say to me, but Aura, listen, honestly, just just give me that offer. Look at it. It's ultimately your choice. Yep. 
Um, but I would be failing in my duties if I didn't sit down and go, Todd, before we do that, I need you to understand what the numbers look like. Yeah. I need you to understand the demand out there. And I know it might be a few days of hassle. I, I get it. And and you know what? Maybe you stay with family for a few days if that's upsetting or whatever. Um, but I just, for you to make this decision, I need you to acknowledge that I've warned you on this. Yeah. Because it's just breaking my heart. And and um, the realtors that are out there thinking that they're so smart selling exclusively. And when I say exclusively, and you didn't even put up a sign, send out notes to the local agents that you had it. What you literally did was you told no one but your one or two buyers. Then, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless. I dropped the mic. I walked away. I'm like upset. <laughs> Hopefully you can recover for next week. Absolutely. Anything in closing? Um, yeah, just take a look at this report, realestatetoronto.com slash market dash report slash, um, or give us a call, 416-230-8500, because now more than ever, you want the information to make the best choices for your family. We thank you for listening to A Moment with Aura. We shall be back <laughs> next week. More realestatetorontoradio.com.